Welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast, your guide to help you manage life, money, and multiples. Each episode, host Paul Fenner, Tama Capital's president and founder, and the proud parent of four amazing children, including one set of triplets, will provide insights on successfully sustaining an active lifestyle, career, and family through comprehensive wealth management strategies, financial education, and lifestyle planning specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. How many life transitions have you been through? Big or small? And how often? Corey Lagodice has transitioned through abuse, homelessness, and divorce, to name a few life-changing events. But as a successful career and business coach, Corey has turned her life-changing transitions into a unique ability to help others going through their own life transitions. As a mother of two, Corey understands the pressure working parents face, so she developed a concept called the five C's to help parents address overwhelming situations. From Corey, I stepped down from the family firm business decided to bank in on my emergency savings. I had six months of savings that I was like, you know what? It's an emergency on my soul. I'm going to build a business. The big thing that stops people from moving forward is fear. And it's ultimately fear of failure. So if you can consciously consciously make the change, it's much easier than dealing with change during a pivotal life moment. Please enjoy my conversation with Corey Lagodice. Well, Corey Logaitis, welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, I was practicing your name over and over before we hit record, so hopefully I got it right. It's all good. That's why I just call me Corey Lowe. It's easier. <laughs> well, Corey, I'm excited to have this conversation with you today um, and really talk about your background and how you went from a single homeless mother to a, um, you know, having this outstanding coaching practice of yours where you help people, um, not only parents, but individuals that, that are in transition. And if there's been one theme about this podcast, the last two and a half years, since I started it, it's been this focus, um, unintentionally on life transitions. And it's Mm -hmm. something that I have, it's, it's probably a topic that comes up in every conversation I've had with, with people over the last couple of years. But the fact that I think we severely underestimate the number of transitions that we go in or go mm-hmm. through. And they could be big, like a career change or divorce mm-hmm. or somebody passing away or, you know, having a baby, all the big ones, if you will. But mm-hmm. I think there's those small ones. And I think is I've, I've got a birthday coming up. I'll be 47 here in a few weeks. And my, my triplets just are in the process of finishing their last year of middle school. And I think about wow. what a transition that's been not only for them, but for me as well, trying to navigate, you know, new and different drama and, 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 and homework and conversations that I was wondering like, well, how, how, how am I going to answer these? So mm-hmm. it's uh life is full of transition. So that's uh, I think that'll be a, at the heart of our conversation today, but why don't I, I kick it back over to you and have you walk through who you are, um, what you do, and then we'll get into some of the really details of, of your background. Sure. So I'll give the Reader's Digest version. 
which for the millennials, they'll be like, what's that? <laughs> uh, but everybody else will understand. So I have a very expensive piece of paper that says I could draw well. So I graduated with a fine arts degree, which meant coming out of college, I was waiting tables. I couldn't get a regular job. And this really upset my father who at the time was the second generation running our family's business. So he was like, why don't, instead of waiting tables, you come work for the family biz. And at least then, you know, you're making some money. You could be a graphic designer. You know, you're still doing artsy stuff and kind of take it from there. So I take the position and to my surprise, 15 years later, I'm running it as senior vice president. Never anticipated <laughs> getting into business. Um, you know, and with that said, I loved the work that I was doing. You know, at the time I liked being with my family, you know, love being with my family. Um, we were in electronics distribution. So it was a lot of relationship building, business development. Uh, I specifically was tasked with helping small mom and pop shops, uh, market and sell because the more product that they sold, the more that my family's company made, mm -hmm. but it was also a great, uh, combination of getting to work with big fortune 200 brands as well. You know, the big, you know, uh, electronics companies we worked with. So it was a lot of fun. And in general, you know, things were going pretty well until those, you know, life transitions that you were referring to before started <laughs> popping up. So the first one for me was my son's arrival. So my son, you know, arrived and it really kind of brought light to the fact that I was in complete denial that I was in an abusive marriage because finally the arrival of my son made me realize like, Hey, what's going on is not okay. Like, it's, it was one thing when it was me. It was another thing when there was that danger of it happening to my kid. So very, very suddenly, I, you know, you had described before that I went from being, you know, like a homeless single mother. I literally one morning after having something thrown at my head was like, okay, this isn't happening. I'm bringing my son with me to school, uh, not school, to work. <laughs> and um, ended up leaving my apartment, leaving everything, having my kid with me at work. And showing up on my parents' doorstep later that evening saying, like, I don't know what's up from here, but all I know is I can't, you know, be in that relationship anymore. Was anybody so, aware, like, of of the abuse going on? Did Was your family or parents aware of, of, of any of that? They had some inkling to it. But at the same time, too, you know, with the role I was in, you know, and the pressure and everything else, and I'm a type A high performer, I masked it very well. So no one really kind of understood uh, the breadth of what was going on. And to be honest, for anybody who knows me, who might be listening to this after the fact, who knew me at that point in my life, they might not even be aware uh, that any of this had happened. So, you know, I'm going through all this stuff, you know, with my divorce and with my kid, I'm a single parent. I'm commuting at that point over two hours each way uh, to get to my family's business because I had to leave where I was living. And... It was really, really starting to upset me. And I'm sure a lot of parents out there can definitely relate to this too, that I added up the number of hours I was paying my au pair to watch my son while I was working. And it was 20 hours a week. So I had this like aha moment that I was like, holy crap, you're paying her a part-time salary to go to your full-time job. Like this isn't working, but you kind of kept going with it because you really don't think you have a choice. Right. Right. You keep kind of going day in, day out, you know, plus I also had this added responsibility that it's my family's business and I'm expected to do this. And in the meanwhile, my soul is crushed every single day that I basically get to see my hour, my son for an hour in the evening when I get home and that's it. Like I get no time with him at all. 
The real pivotal changing point for me wasn't until after I had finally rebuilt my life up. I had bought a house in a great school district. Things were going well at work. I was in a relationship and had been in a relationship for quite some time that was very healthy. And one day I was the one to discover that my partner took his life by suicide. So once again, very sudden change (laughs) out of nowhere. And I, that day, the one takeaway that I have more than anything else, it really did change the trajectory of my life because that was the day that I woke up and said, everything that you knew in your life this morning is not reality right now. You know, we had plans, we were getting married, our kids were best friends. We had all this stuff. None of that's going to happen. What are you doing with your life, Corey? Like, seriously, you have an opportunity to start over from zero. You've done it before. Like, what are you going to do now so that you don't lose this time with your son? And immediately after that, I made some really major fast decisions where I stepped down from the family business, did not go over Let me interrupt real quick. So how old was your son at this point? (laughs) He was three. Okay. At that point. Um, All that was over a three-year kind of ramp up. Um, So very within six months of my partner passing, I stepped out, stepped down from the family business, um, decided to bank in on my emergency savings. I had six months of emergency savings that I was like, you know what? It's an emergency on my soul. I'm going to build my business. I got a mortgage. I got a kid, whatever. Let's just see what happens. And within a couple of weeks, because of my business background, I had landed with my first paying clients. I had been an over 15 year veteran in the digital marketing industry. And so as a result, I built an audience of over 40,000 people online in six months, as well as multiple different press mentions. And within a year, I was a TEDx speaker. And when asked how I was able to manage all of those results on the heels of such a traumatic life event, I tied it all to a concept that I learned during the divorce that I call the overwhelmed culprits, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit, but it was really through harnessing like where I was lacking in those areas and addressing them that allowed me to continue to keep taking action to be able to push through and see the results that I I ultimately wanted to see to create a better life for me and my son. Wow. Um, <laughs> a lot to unpack there as I yeah. knew there would be. So, but I'm glad that you, you set the stage for for the audience and, and given that background, because it's it's such a powerful story. And so let me let me start there where did obviously you never thought that you would be at your family business for, for that, your family's business for that long. Do you have any inkling as to, to why you stayed? Because having conversations with families through through the financial, through my financial planning firm, Tama. You know, I, I that's the one thing that I think is constantly on people's mind is their career and, you know, not necessarily enjoying it, but because of, like you said, mortgage and kids are, you know, mm-hmm. kids are expensive, whether you have one, two, three, four, five, whatever, they're expensive. And so you have all these, um, you know, the day-to-day financial and personal parties pulling at you, tugging at you. So you kind of just continue to grind it out and- mm-hmm. Then you look back and like, in your case, like 15 years pass. I know I'm just having a conversation with, with somebody this morning and, you know, she's been doing something for like 10 years and it's like, wow. It's like, when do you stop? Like, or when do you, when do you wake up? I think that's a term you use mm-hmm. and realize, okay, I need, I need to stop grinding it out. This is my life. I get one shot mm-hmm. at it. Sure. Well, it's interesting. Cause I think there's a few things that kind of come into play with that. 
Um, first up, for a very long time, I did really enjoy what I was doing. I love learning what I needed to learn about business. I do kind of feel that, you know, entrepreneurship is in my blood in a way that I was a natural and kind of took to it and learning from my dad and my uncle and everybody else in the business. Uh, but there was a certain point that happened, you know, slightly before my partner passed where I had these feelings and I called it like I felt weird. I couldn't quite pinpoint what was wrong because truth was I had the house. I had the white picket fence. I had everything that I wanted on paper. Yeah. Why wasn't I fulfilled? And I started seeing my therapist again at that time. It was the same one I had seen when I was going through the divorce. I kind of re-enrolled myself. And she was the one that kind of, you know, pointed out to me, like, is it possible that you're not happy with your career? And I was in complete denial. You know, I was like, oh, no way. You know, I've been groomed for this. This is what I'm meant to do. And she at one point, point blank, and said, Corey, have you ever considered coaching? You know, coaching or, you know, being a business coach because you have an ability to be able to take action on stuff that if you could teach other people how to do that, that could be tremendous. And immediately I thought like, oh my God, I had just seen the documentary on Netflix, Tony Robbins, I Am Not Your Guru. Had like mm -hmm. recently just watched it within a month of her saying this. And I remembered when I was watching it, thinking to myself, oh my God, he's got the best job. Like he could just talk to people and ask them a few questions and like transform their life in like a second based on how he like positions, how they think. And I immediately dismissed it. I was like, there's no way I could do that, blah, blah, blah. I meant to do this. So I find it really interesting that I was starting to explore that. But then when I lost my partner, that's when it was like the big wake up call. Like, no, if this is something you really want to do, which is obvious based on you even thinking about it over the last couple of months, like now's the time to go all in because this is literally a fresh start. What I was, was starting from zero. What was that that? That that transition specifically, like Corey, because a lot of people they can get to that point where they're, they're like, where they're like, I would like to do this. I know I was like that. So mm -hmm. most of my audience knows that before I started Tama, I spent almost twenty five years in an, in a you know corporate role, tax, finance, operations, accounting, mm -hmm. and I knew probably twenty some years ago that this was what I was supposed to do, but because your life takes hold. Like we just mm -hmm. talked about, you know, I ended mm -hmm. up getting married. We have all these kids. Um, mm -hmm. and that kind of gets put on hold. And for me, I think that tipping point was literally the day that my triplets were born was the day that I officially started my firm. I mean, obviously I was working on getting it up and going before that, but, but even then I still kept my full-time corporate career going the first, you know, five to seven years, if you will, before I actually came into the business full time. And I think people in my, in, in my like in, have a similar situation in my experience and potentially yours is they know that, but yet something still stops them from moving forward. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the, the big thing that stops people from moving forward is fear. And it's ultimately fear of failure. So the way I like to describe it, I describe this a lot in my keynotes and stuff when I speak, but when you have pivotal life moments, kind of like what you were describing before, pivotal life moments are like the divorce or the, you know, the suicide loss or the pandemic, right? Things that happen that after the event happens, life is never going to be the same. Making a change, a major change like that is very easy after one of those because life ain't going to be the same and there's nothing to be afraid of because you ain't getting that back. Right. Right. Whereas if you're in a scenario where you can consciously make the change, which to be honest, it's much easier than having to deal with a pivotal life moment. No one wants to <laughs> willingly right. have to go through that. But 
the primary difference between that is that then you have to actually deal with the fear. And ultimately, there's really no difference between one versus the other. Just the fear is significantly less if you've experienced the pivotal life event, because that event was scarier than whatever's coming next. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point, because like you said, like on the outside, you know, you had it all. You had house, career, you know, income, you know, white picket fence, all of that. I was the same way. Um, so why, why uh, rock the uh, rock the or upset the apple cart, if you will? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and ultimately it comes down to, you know, what is going to fulfill you, number one. And number two, the other thing I, I knew deep down is it was unsustainable for me, the rate I was going as a single parent. I was not going to be able to provide the life that I wanted for my kid, where for me, connection is a very important personal value of mine. Only being able to connect with my kid an hour a day you know, by having to be out of the household so much. So that was going to require, I mean, granted, it didn't mean that I necessarily had to get, you know, to start my own business, but it does require some reflection in terms of, okay, well, what do I need to be able to provide an income for my family, but also still being present here, which during the pandemic, it was wonderful that so many work from home, you know, changes were made that that allowed it that if that had happened around this time frame for me, I might not have started my own business. You know, I might have stayed, but at that point in time, work from home was not an option for me, even though I had pitched it. Um, so it really depends. Yeah, I think that's a, that's an interesting um, point because I, for the longest time, we thought this work from home trend was going to continue, and obviously, it's gonna it's it's much higher than it was before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But now, the, especially I think over these last six to eight months, in the families that I work with and the companies that they work for those companies are really pulling back on that. And it's that's creating a lot of stress and added pressure on, on families now. Oh, for sure. And especially for women in particular, you have the most educated, you know, population of women coming into the workforce at this point in time in history. But at the same time, women are still paid less than men for the same work. And when it comes to retracting the work from home and stuff, and you do have a caregiving role that isn't being shared by anybody else, the job that's most easily expendable within the household is for the mom to stay home and give up the position, especially now with childcare being as much as it is or being, you know, that you can even find it at all. You know, you have these childcare deserts at this point. It's it's a real issue right now. (laughs) So one of the, where I would like to kind of pivot now is I've, Mm -hmm. I've had conversations with with coaches on the show for the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. And what I would really like to get mm-hmm. into is, and everybody's, everybody, every coach is different. And I think that's the, that's one similarity that I think your industry and mine have in common where mm-hmm. people think, oh, wealth advisor, oh, that's just somebody that, you know, picks stocks for me or does mm-hmm. numbers or whatever. And as people really ha- start having com- more in-depth conversations with me anyways, they realize, oh no, that's, that's not what Paul's about. That's not what Tam is about. It's much, much deeper than that. So what I would like to know is had you go through like as, as in-depth as you would like, mm-hmm. how your style of coaching is, what what do you bring to your clients that that you work with and help get them to where they want to go? Sure. So my style in particular, and I'm always very upfront with my clients with this when we first get started, is I am a hybrid 
of coaching and consulting, depending on what you're hiring me to help you with, right? So if you're hiring me to help with business stuff, like I could tell you all day long what I would recommend being in that position from history of me doing whatever it is that you're looking to do. But a lot of times what's better for the client is to be coached for them to make their own decisions on it. So I will usually ask in a conversation, would you like to be coached on this or you want to be consulted? You know, which one do you want? What version of Corey's expertise do you need? A lot of times people kind of intuitively know what they need to do, but they need that coaching to be able to kind of talk it out to then validate their own thoughts. Whereas a lot of times people, it's a knowledge gap where they don't know the systems, the processes, the industry, you know, whatever it is that they're looking to get into where the, the consulting is more valuable for them. Yeah. So that's the the the, the mm-hmm. tactical stuff like you just described, because I was mm-hmm. going to have you describe coaching versus consulting, but I think you mm-hmm. just nailed it where the consulting is more the tactical, you know, get down to, you know, to business type of thing. Right. Consulting in particular is they tell you how to do what it is you want to do step-by-step. Step. They give recommendations on what it is you should be doing. Best way I like to describe it. If you've ever seen um, any of those shows like bar rescue, mm-hmm. you know, when the guy comes in and he's yeah. like, you need to fix this, 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 and this, that's consulting. Uh, whereas coaching the coach asks you questions. They're basically always asking you why, why, why do you feel like this? Why do you think this needs to be blah, 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 to get you to the core of what's holding you back so that you can then address it. And that's what gets you the clarity that you need. So it's, it's different. So with, uh, so, so you, so it sounds like you do some level of both just depending Mm on, you know, who, who, you know, knocks on your door. Right. Well, I do both for all of my clients, but I'm just very transparent in asking my clients, what support do you need right now? Okay. You know, would you prefer me to coach you on this issue or would you prefer me to consult you on the issue? Because so is then there, the client's in a place of power. Is is there a specific, like, do you have a specific niche of, of people that you focus on or, or work with? Mm-hmm. Uh, in general, I've worked primarily over the years with aspiring entrepreneurs. So folks who were in a similar position to me that they were working in corporate or something like that, and they've always wanted to do something utilizing their skill sets, but are unsure on what to offer, that I help them package their existing expertise into a service offer business. Um, So I did that for a very, very long time, but I've also, I have done relationship coaching. I have done, you know, I did divorce coaching even for a little bit when I first started, um, so it really depends on the scenario, but the vast majority of my coaching work has been in the business sector, you know, in terms of entrepreneurship. I think if, if, if you have a, a case study, I think, because I think some people are still leery of, okay, what is a coach? What am I actually going to get out of this? I think mm-hmm. same, very much similar to what am I going to get out of working with a financial advisor? Mm-hmm. And so it, I think it would be interesting for our audience if you could kind of walk through a case study and, and specifically one that I think affects probably a lot of people listening to the show mm-hmm. that they've gone through a, a career transition, whether they were, you know, you know, voluntarily left a, a role or mm-hmm. or were, were let go during, you know, mm-hmm. some kind of transition or downsizing. But that that transition point for them was some kind of career loss. Could you walk sure. us through like an example of like how you start with with somebody in that situation and and walk us through the the process of how to get them to not being i guess afraid sure no i actually have a lot of clients that fit that profile especially during the pandemic yeah uh, that's when my business kind of 
for aspiring entrepreneurs took off during that phase because I was getting a lot of questions from people with that exact situation. So one I could think of off the top of my head was a woman who had worked in high fashion in um, you know, more corporate roles for quite a while, and she was laid off. And she wasn't really sure at what point, what direction to take her business. And she had done some kind of consulting work in the past, but it didn't really work out. So she joined my program to kind of get some clarity, you know, on specifically what it was that she wanted to offer. So one thing that I'm really big on, especially if I'm doing business coaching, is getting people clear on their personal mission and whether it be in their business or in their career, like what impact do they want to have on the world and what would make them feel fulfilled as a result of being able to you know, deliver on that service for others. So some things that were really important to her that she was passionate about, which is interesting because it wasn't necessarily reflected in the work that she was doing before. She was very, very big on sustainability. You know, eco-friendly was huge, huge component of things that were very important to her. Uh, she was also very physically active. So she loved doing yoga. She loved surfing. She liked being outdoors, um, which again, in high fashion, wasn't really, you know, the environment that she was working in. But as a result of that, she found a really unique opportunity based on all of her different prior work experience, especially in e-commerce. She was doing a lot of work with um, high-end retailers for their online stores, where she positioned herself as being an expert for e-commerce, but specifically for athleisure brands, which as you know, during the pandemic, athleisure had was a huge, huge boom, right? <laughs> Lululemon. So, <laughs> yep, exactly. So everybody was wearing you know, yoga pants, but she positioned herself as being able to help all of these upstart brands get going. And she built a really, really nice name for herself. And long story short, within six months of working together, she ultimately landed a gig as a personal stylist on the red carpet for the Oscars, which was really cool. But, (laughs) you know, had she not been like true to herself and what was important to her, being able to position herself for those opportunities and be able to communicate exactly what value she had to offer people wouldn't have been a possibility. Yeah. Without going through that process. That's, that's very like, Probably two to three years ago, um, I started transitioning a, a key critical part of my business to where I was starting to have families really focus focus on their their purpose, which I think aligns to what you were talking about. It's like it's basically your why. Mm-hmm. So taking that purpose and then having supportive supporting objectives under that, which is more like your how, like. So I want to help my kids, you know, through college. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, that means I want to pay two years of a four-year education for them. That's that's your objective. And then the action items are the things that you're doing to support those objectives, which ultimately support your purpose. So mm-hmm. top down, back to bottoms up. And mm-hmm. so I, I'm envisioning like coaching working something similar to that. Sure. It's very similar. What coaching does in particular is it helps you get you clear on why you have your objectives to begin with. Right. So I love the question you said, like, okay, so what's your goal? I want to put them in school. Right. Coaching could ultimately take it a step further. Well, what's the impact of your children being in school? I know for my family, you know, speaking from experience, I was literally the first person ever in my family to get a college degree. And then it was an art degree, (laughs) which is hilarious in hindsight. But um, that was very, very important for my family because that was a like kind of like the new generation Mm -hmm. being able to come through and do that. But 
being clear on what that why is and why certain goals are important to you, that actually helps you kind of eliminate a lot of the fears that we were talking about in taking action because you're taking action towards a greater purpose. Yeah, no, I com- I completely agree because like when, and I'm always cognizant of the fact that I try to, like I could put, I could fill it all out for, for the families I work with, but it, that won't help. It, and it's, I, I see it the same way with my kids mm-hmm. and having them write things down coming from them. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just connects that ownership. And when you're going through that, you know, that the anxiety is, is starting to pass a little bit. That fear that we keep talking mm-hmm. about is starting to subside a little bit. Mm-hmm. So how, from a, from a real tactical standpoint, like how often are you meeting with, um, clients? Is it weekly, bi-weekly, mm-hmm. monthly? And like, what are, are, is it an hour, two hours? Because the one thing that I think, again, people maybe have like this negative connotation of coaching. It's like, I, I'm a huge sports fan. And so, you know, growing mm-hmm. up, had coaches, high school, peewee league, college. Mm-hmm. It, so you always had somebody there helping you. And mm-hmm. I think once you kind of get into your career, unless you were lucky and landed with some great career mentor, all that coaching kind of stopped. Mm. Yep. So um, the way that I work with clients, it really depends on the container. And if you're not familiar with the coaching industry, the container is the type of coaching or the offer that you're being put into. So most coaching containers would be either like one-on-one private coaching, where it's just you and the coach, Uh, Group containers are also very popular where it's the coach working with multiple different people in a group, or you have a container that's called a mastermind where the coach is more of a facilitator and you're working and coaching with your peers, right? That are on a similar level to you or a level up based on what it is that you want to do. And you're learning from them and the coach is facilitating it. So for me, I... It varies what containers I'm offering at any given time because I've built my business to work for me and my family. So for example, I have not done, I I very recently brought it back, but I have not done one-on-one in quite a while because I had a baby two years ago and I wanted extra time and I didn't want to trade my time for money that way. So I only had my group coaching programs available at that time. Um, I'm also exploring right now, potentially doing memberships, which it's a little bit different. It's still kind of like group coaching, but you get more self-study stuff on the front end, in addition to community, being able to get like worksheets, stuff like that, and maybe having touch points with me like once a month in a group like that. So there's a few different ways that it works. And it really depends on the season of my business, but those would be the the three main ways. How would somebody figure out or determine for themselves, like what would be the best fit for them, whether it would be like Mm -hmm. working with somebody one-on-one Mm-hmm. a group or uh, a mastermind type of program? Sure. It really depends on the level that you're at. So in general, masterminds are always going to be better for people who are further along and maybe have done some coaching. You know, that, that it's more um, maintenance, I guess you could say, accountability versus, you know, getting that self-awareness and learning, um, you know, what you need to learn to take action. Uh, really, one-on-one coaching versus group coaching, it's really dependent on what results it is that you're looking for. You could get just as amazing results working in a group program with somebody who has demonstrated proven results on like step-by-step procedures on how to do what it is that you want to do 
that it's a repeatable process and you could do some of the work on your own in addition to working with a group versus one-on-one is usually highly customized, right? So if it's somebody that's coming in with a very specific issue that's outside of the scope of what the coach might have a step-by-step program for, that's when they usually might go into a one-on-one. But it's really, it depends on the coach that you're working with. And the best way to determine that is to sign up for a free discovery call or strategy session. Most all coaches offer it. Uh, and I really recommend this too, because when you're finding a coach, it's, I like to describe it as being very similar to when you're looking to work with a therapist, you yes. need to be sure <laughs> that you feel a hundred percent comfortable with your coach and the coach has to feel comfortable with you because if that level of vulnerability isn't there, you're not going to see the results that you want because you're not, you're going to be afraid to share everything with your coach and they're going to be afraid to call you on stuff. So you're going to be in the exact same position you are as when you start. Yeah, I, I I'm glad that you pointed that out because I completely agree with you. And <laughs> I've 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 been through all three levels of of coaching that you describe: one on one, group, and then mastermind. And I think you know I've been in, involved in all three at the same time too. Mm-hmm. And they fit. To, I think to your point, I think you pointed this out. They fit different bill the bills. They they have your they have. I have different outcomes for each of them. What yep. I want to get out of one-on-one coaching is not the same as what I'm in as part of this group or the part of this mastermind, this other mastermind group that I'm a part of. So, mm-hmm. and I also, you hit the nail on the head there too, where you got to find the right fit, kind of like therapy. You know, I, mm-hmm. I've had a therapist for the last seven, eight years, I think, and she's terrific. And, but, you know, before that, you like, I talked to several people and I just couldn't get the right fit. Mm-hmm. And fit is is hard to explain. It's like you know it when you see it or you know it's it when it. you feel mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> so I want to get I want to get to um one of the the hearts of your um practice and, and who you are and how you came up with this, which is these five overwhelming culprits and how they're stealing working parents' time and sanity. Mm -hmm. So walk us through what exactly this is. How did you even come up with it? (laughs) Sure. So remember when I was mentioning before that my therapist was like, oh, you should, you know, be a coach. And I'm thinking in my head, like, oh, I should be like Tony Robbins. No way. Well, when she had recommended, she's like, no, you have a really unique way of continuing to take action on stuff where other people might feel stuck or overwhelmed or whatever. If you could figure out the framework for that, that could be huge. So I came up with this concept and it's interesting too, because I didn't really come up with the concept until after I already got the Ted talk and I was like, Oh crap, what am I going to talk about on Ted? So I hashed it all out for that. And it was basically me tying together. Okay. Well, what were the things that I found I was overwhelmed with during my divorce and how did I address them? And then I ultimately ended up using the same exact strategies during my suicide loss when I quit my my job and started my business. And it ultimately resulted in the crazy you know, results that I got. So they're really simple and they're very easy to remember. And it's basically a lack of any of these five things. And they all start with a C. The first one is your clarity. So if you're not clear on you know, what you want and why you want it, you're not going to be able to achieve it as we've discussed a lot, you know, during the course of this conversation today. So first and foremost is your clarity. Second is your confidence. So if you're not confident that you can achieve what it is that you want, 
or that it's within the realm of possibility or that you're allowed to have it, that's unfortunately on you. It's our own responsibility to build our own confidence. I think a lot of people sit around waiting for other people to validate and boost it up for them. And that's not the way it works. So addressing that lack of confidence and actually creating a strategy to get the education and skills that you need to feel comfortable in a certain arena can be a game changer for a lot of folks. Third one is community. So uh, the famous motivational speaker, Jim Rohn, once said that you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with or you are the average, I should say. And this is so true. So if everybody you have surrounding you doesn't believe you could do what it is you want to do, uh, is upset that you want to do what it is you want to do, or doesn't think that they can do it, you're not going to do it. Yeah, right? You're going to kind of stay where you are. So that requires you changing that support circle and really curating who you want to keep in it. And the fourth one is, I call it conditioning, but it stands for um, mental health and physical health. So it's how do you take care of yourself, right? And especially for working moms in particular, this one's crucial because we say yes to everybody at the you know detriment of having to say no to ourselves. So in general, if you, you know, and for, for so many people too, through this process, you want so desperately to pour into other people, but you have to be able to pour into yourself in order for that to happen. So for people who are a type A overachiever, like I was, this was actually my biggest issue <laughs> through the course of everything I was doing. I never stop. I don't take time for myself. I don't relax. My my physical and mental health is usually the first thing to go. Um, so making sure that you're creating strategies to protect that for yourself will keep you kind of moving. And then last but not least, it's consistency. So a lot of folks, they have great ideas and great intentions, but they just don't take the consistent action in order to see it to fruition. So I love to say, and this is so, so true. If you want to lead an extraordinary life, it requires extraordinary action. Because if what you were doing today was sufficient to get you what you want, you would already have it. You have to do something that's over and above that and do so in a consistent manner in order to be able to see the results you're looking for. I, I absolutely love these. And, <laughs> and, I, and I think it's because it's it, it, they're, what, how you laid them all out, they all tie to each other. Mm -hmm. And in there, it, there's a lot, your, your first one was clarity. There's just, I think there's a lot of clarity there. So how do you, how do you make sure that it's, so you, if I'm, I'm thinking of a stool right now, I'm thinking of a five-legged stool with each of these on it mm -hmm. and you start taking one of the legs away, obviously the stool starts getting wobbly. Mm -hmm. So how did they, how have you learned that they all work together and then how, how do you kind of pinpoint when when one of the legs is about ready to crumble? Sure. Well, that's very much a self-awareness situation. So, I mean, awareness. I do have- It's always awareness. It's all awareness. <laughs> and I mean, I do have tools and resources and stuff that I provide for my clients. And I might have, I actually, actually um, for your audience, I have a free quiz that you could take. It's corylow.com backslash overwhelm culprit. Yeah, we'll be make, could, well, I'll make sure that we link to that in our show notes perfect. and then your TED Talk You can learn well. which one. You can learn which one is your culprit you know, at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's really a, a self-awareness thing. And you might have more than one that are a challenge at the time. But in general, at least I notice when I like keynote and speak on this topic, people in the audience always pretty much immediately know which one's their problem because I always have people rush me after and they're like, oh my God, when you brought up, you know, community, it was like you were talking just to me. <laughs> so people generally know it's just more, you know, in sharing the framework of the overwhelm culprits, it helps kind of bring light to what the specific thing might be that's holding them back. I think you just hit on a word that 
we have not talked about. And ironically, I don't think comes up a whole lot in the conversations I've had is framework. And Mm -hmm. when you say the word framework, I see it as that's, that's a tool to be used like these five C's, if you Mm -hmm. will. And then obviously there's levels below that, but it's starting with awareness, like always, and then having, okay, so I'm aware of something. How can I, how can I start making it better? How can I adjust? And that's where having this framework comes into play and then the underlying principles below it. Right. So I know I only have you for a finite period of time. So I mm-hmm. wanted to get to one last kind of, I guess, business question, if you will, and then, <laughs> and then close with my personal question is, you know, the word balance comes up, especially for working parents. It's like trying to find this balance, this work-life balance, which I think is, as most audience members know by now, I find to be totally BS. Mm -hmm. There is no such thing as work-life balance. And I've I've replaced the word balance with harmony because I Mm -hmm. always, I probably say this every episode now, but I think of this teeter-totter and there's points on that teeter-totter where your family's going to need you a whole lot more than, mm-hmm. than your than your work and vice versa. There's going to be mm-hmm. times where your work's going to you know require a lot out of you, and then you have to sacrifice something for the family. How do you walk people through trying to find or create harmony between family, business, work, and life? Sure. For me, it's all about intention. So, you know, for and. Again, it changes, like you said, because during different stages of your life, you're going to have different intentions that are priorities that mean you're going to have to make changes in order to be able to accommodate them. So when I was working as the SVP and I had my baby and I was getting to see him an hour a day, that was no longer working for me. So for me to bring that harmony back into my life, I had to change my working arrangement into a way that I was able to work from home or work for myself. I very easily could have done it finding an employer that had work from home options, right? But that was like the core thing I needed to change to bring that balance back. But I had to be intentional about knowing specifically what it was that was out of alignment in order to bring that harmony back. Okay. Um, so that will bring us to our, our my closing question that I asked all of my guests, um, which I'm really interested to hear your response on this, is what is the best thing about being a parent? My God, my, I think the best thing about being a parent is watching your children grow up and experience life. And at least for me, I get the most joy out of seeing who they are authentically and how they interact with the world. Sometimes it's stuff that I do intuitively that they kind of like naturally picked up from me. A lot of times it's stuff that's very unique to them that I see as this like beautiful gift. And that is just, it makes my day every single day. (laughs) It's my favorite part of being a parent, watching my kids interact with the world. Well, that I, you know, like I said, I've, I've been doing this show now for over two and a half years and it's definitely the highlight of every conversation and bringing that up. Uh, because the responses are just extraordinary and um, and, and 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 impactful and in and, and depth as well. Right. So, so Corey, uh, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. Um, like I mentioned earlier, we will link to your uh, website where people can can take that quiz and, and find out more detail on 
on the five culprits that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And, and additionally, uh, link to your your TED Talk, which I highly recommend. So thank you very much for, for being a part uh, of this conversation. And I'm sure we'll have many more to come. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of Tama Capital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Mm-hmm.